You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Hello, welcome to The Food Code. We feel like we've been doing a lot of mindset stuff lately, which I think a lot of our clients like, but I, you know, we're, we're nutritional and health coaches, so I, we need to come back to the, the food stuff occasionally. Um, and today's is going to be a great podcast because I think that a lot of people underestimate the impact of inconsistently eating and under eating. Um, Because we're going to talk today about blood sugar, um, blood sugar balancing, how it can become imbalanced symptoms that you start to see with imbalances of blood sugar. Um, and a lot of times for people that are dealing with diabetes, um, you know, and blood sugar issues, people don't realize how not eating impacts that. They think just like low calorie, less food, skip meals, and that actually makes blood sugar worse. Um, and so we want to talk today about that. We want to talk about what you can do, um, some great blood sugar balancing snacks, things that it will impact for those of you that don't sleep very well. You might want to listen extra hard to this one as well. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk a lot about blood sugar and what it, what it means and how it gets impacted. How to keep it stabilized because it's like a roller coaster, especially if you're skipping meals or you're eating just all carbs and no protein and no healthy fats um, with those things. So let's dive in like blood sugar 101. What is blood sugar? So blood sugar is known as blood glucose. That is the sugar in your bloodstream that carries to the cells um, to supply them with energy. Okay. So your blood glucose, um, change throughout the day. Right. And they're typically at their lowest point before your first meal. So a lot of people out there who test their blood sugar levels are testing them first thing in the morning to see where they're at and they are going to rise and fall. And if we don't keep them, you know, stabilized, you're going to experience you know, things like energy crashes or, you know, shakiness or even kind of feelings of nausea. Um, because we, essentially if we're not eating throughout the day and we're going through periods where we're fasting or just eating, like I mentioned before, a lot of carbohydrates, we don't have things to balance out the insulin response because when you eat something high in carbohydrates, high in sugar, your blood sugars are going to rise. And what happens is your body responds by secreting insulin. That's your hormone, which is created by your pancreas um, to keep your blood sugar level stable. And it tries to prevent them from getting too low or too high. And so this also allows your body to either use the glucose from your food or store it for future use. And when you're spiking your blood sugar, you know, constantly, um, you might feel like you're, you know, energetic, you're happy, you're productive, um, and you sleep really well. But on the flip side, when you're allowing it to dip too low, you're experiencing that crash because what comes up has to come down. And so this is seen when we go, you know, like we said, hours without eating or we're eating unhealthy foods, too high in sugar, too high in fats could be related to other health issues that we have um, that allow your blood sugars to drop too low as well. Um, and this is what happens when, you know, we are eating inconsistently, your adrenal glands release adrenaline and cortisol in order to remedy the situation. They're now trying to kick on um, their piece of the puzzle, um, to kind of help the pancreas out. And in this situation, you might feel like cranky or moody. Um, and I know anybody out there who's listening, we all know what it feels like to be hangry. I don't enjoy feeling hangry. 
I know. I saw a, me- a post the other day that was so funny and so true. It was like, when I say that I'm getting hungry, you have about 27 minutes until I turn into a different person. And like, <laughs> it is so true for me. Like, I, you know, and I, females, I will say, have a, a little bit more sensitive situation than males do. Um, my For perfect example, and I'm sure many people can relate, like my husband can probably go six to eight hours without eating in a day um, and be totally fine. Like I, I vividly remember many moments, especially like on vacations and stuff. If, you know, we don't get to lunch until like two or 3 PM, he's like, well, why don't we just wait until dinner? And I'm like, because that means I'm going like six to seven hours without eating. And as a female and someone that has a pretty consistent eating schedule, that impacts me quite a bit. So we think about blood sugar as like, imagine this, you know, line, that's our baseline. And as you eat, blood sugar goes above that line. When you don't eat for long periods of time, it goes below that line. And so we want to keep things pretty close to that baseline because when they get far away from it, that's where we run into issues. You know, the more your blood sugar goes up and down in large swings, the more fat you store too. And so high blood sugar damages arteries, insulin released, you know, we become insulin resistant to a certain extent. If it goes on for too long with these big spikes, low blood sugar, you're tired, you're moody, you're, you know, you can't remember things, your like concentration goes. So we want to talk about how do you know if your blood sugars are out of whack? These are kind of some, you know, specific telltale signs. And there's several things. And here's the thing, like, you know, if you're struggling to lose weight, that's number one, like you have difficulty losing weight. It's not automatic that you have a blood sugar issue, but we think about like if you have many of these on this list, that's probably a closer indicator to if you are experiencing some blood sugar swings that we want to address. Number one, like I said, you have difficulty losing weight. Number two, you're constantly talk about this quite a bit on the podcast and on our lives and our Facebook group. When you are having sugar and sweet cravings, it is often a sign that you do not get enough nourishment into your day. And you are not eating enough in total in your day. So your body is forcing you to crave things to try to get extra calories. And that's your body's way of telling you. Um, number three, you feel irritable and moody if you like miss a meal or go too long without eating. You, your mood improves significantly after you eat. Uh, your energy seems kind of like a roller coaster. Like you're always, t- who hits that 3 p.m. slump? Like you're always tired in the afternoon. You feel like you need extra coffee at that time. Another one, you wake up a lot in the middle of the night. We talked about this in the beginning. A lot of people do not relate poor sleep to blood sugar, but it is such a common thing that we see. When people do not eat enough, many women that we talk to do not eat enough throughout the day, you have highs and lows of blood sugar. And so overnight, your body needs stable blood sugar from adequate intake from the day to be able to recover itself and do all of its necessary tasks overnight to get you to sleep well and wake up feeling refreshed. So when we don't have enough calories during the day, what happens is you actually drop, you see drops in blood sugar overnight that causes cortisol to spike like Liz was talking about and causes us to wake up. That cortisol is what's waking you up. And that cortisol is doing that to try to get you up to eat something. But most people just think that they have to wake up to pee. That's really what most people think is going on. Um, And for people that have high blood pressure, or I'm sorry, high blood sugar, a lot of times if they aren't eating enough, they will see low blood sugar overnight. And then our body goes to create blood sugar and it's higher in the morning when they wake up and test it. Um, So another one, you feel spacey disconnected, anxious. You have like anxiety and constant just anxiousness about things. Uh, You may have a hard time staying focused. Like our our brains need glucose, guys. They need glucose to stay alert. When we're running low, you can find it really hard to concentrate. Um, You're constantly hungry or contrary, you're never hungry. You've completely muted all of your hunger hormones. And lastly, you have had your blood sugar level tested 
and discovered that your blood sugar or triglyceride levels are elevated. Those are all kind of signs of blood sugar issues, essentially. Yep. So what do we do? How do we balance things out? Well, at a very basic level, just like anything that we say in life, we need to have balance, right? Um, We need to eat the right foods in the right quantities and in the proper balance to keep blood sugar stable. So there are certain foods that have little to no effect on our blood sugar levels, while others have moderate to significant effects. So in in order to balance these things out, we need need to eat a little bit more of the little to no effect foods and cut down on the moderate to significant effect foods. Okay. And this is pretty easy in theory because the only foods that affect our blood sugar are foods that turn into sugar in the body, i.e. carbohydrates. So the foods that are going to have, you know, little to no effect, think about like your one ingredient whole foods, such as, you know, your proteins, your healthy fats, um, from a carbohydrate standpoint, like having carbohydrates that are higher in fiber. So lower glycemic, higher fiber foods, such as, you know, sweet potatoes, leafy greens, berries, fruits that have, you know, lower sugar. So I always say like the easiest way to classify this is to stay away from your like tropical fruits, right? Because like bananas, pineapple, mangoes, things like that, they're going to have a higher impact on blood sugar because they're higher in sugar. Um, all carbohydrates, we know this, we've talked about this on other podcasts, but all carbohydrates end up as glucose in the blood, no matter how complex they are. So we still have to be pairing some of those higher fiber, lower sugar foods with protein, uh, or healthy fats in order for it to stabilize things. Right. And not to have insulin just constantly creeping up, creeping up. Okay. A great example here. And we've given this one, um, previously on many other podcasts as well is like comparing a processed white bread to a whole grain bread. So simply because like the nutritional content of the whole grain bread contains fiber and other nutrients that the body can utilize, it's going to be digested slower, has the same amount of calories, the same amount of carbohydrates, but it is not going to spike blood sugar levels the same way that white bread will or ultra processed foods. Okay. And we know in today's diet, many people are consuming carbohydrates in excess. Um, and that results in too much blood glucose and the body can't tolerate it. So your proteins and your fats are going to be, you know, more of the categories that have a little effect on blood sugar. So we want to preface this here. Like we're not saying go keto. We're not saying go extremely, you know, high protein because that's going to come with its own issues. Uh, and of course the quality of protein matters too, especially for diabetes. So when we look at like protein powders in comparison to whole foods such as shrimp, pork, fish, chicken, things like that, your protein powder is going to have more of an impact on your blood sugars and spike your insulin a little bit more just because it's a processed food. So again, it's very individualized. It depends upon, you know, what you're pairing the certain foods with for how we stabilize blood sugar, but we want to balance the quality of our food as well as the types of you know, foods that we're pairing together with your protein, your carbs and your fats. Yeah. We usually say like, if you are eating inconsistently right now, that's the first place to start. Like if you're someone that some days skips breakfast, some days skips lunch, some days, you know, doesn't have a snack or something like that. Like that's the first place to start. Quality of food obviously is going to make a big difference, but we need to get to a place where we're eating consistently. And research has shown this, like there are studies that show people that are consistent breakfast eaters, and then they skip breakfast, have higher cholesterol levels, higher blood pressure levels after that, higher blood sugar levels after that. Um, because 
of that inconsistency aspect. And so we always recommend, you know, getting the consistency there and then the quality of food as well. Um, and, and, you know, we have a glycemic index and an insulin index that I think are really helpful. Um, and it's kind of surprising too, for a lot of people. So when you go to pick out these foods that you are choosing, um, you know, like Liz was saying, kind of a little bit of a lower glycemic diet, focusing on a balanced, a protein, a starch, a fat at most meals um, is a great way to help balance blood sugar. Protein is one of the most important ways of balance or one of the most important methods of balancing blood sugar throughout the day is having a protein at each meal. Uh, and something like an insulin index can be really helpful to understand like the insulin demand of certain foods through each, you know, at each meal or when you're consuming things. So for example, a lot of people turn to supplements like protein powders and protein bars because they're thinking, well, it's protein. But for example, if you were to have a scoop of whey protein that, that scores on a, a, on the insulin demand index of a 59 compared to a, you know, seven shrimp or about the same amount of protein of shrimp is only a nine on the insulin index. So the impact that it has on insulin is what I'm saying. A higher number on this index means blood sugar spikes more and it causes a bigger response from insulin. And so that means higher blood sugar levels, which in turn cause bigger blood sugar swings. So even though whey protein is a great option post-workout or if you're in a bind, if you're traveling, stuff like that, it shouldn't be a major staple or foundation of our diet if we're struggling with blood sugar stuff. And a lot of times two people are get like they get big on uh, like brown rice from white rice. Fun fact, brown rice actually has a higher insulin index than white rice um, for the same amount, barely, but brown rice is a 49, white rice is a 46. So utilizing things instead like boiled potatoes or sweet potato is a great option. Um, pumpkin, butternut squash, stuff like that, if you're trying to get carb sources from a lower insulin index level uh, are great options. And like Liz was saying, utilizing things like berries, for example, a cup of berries is only a two on the insulin index, whereas a cup uh, medium banana is a 25. I, I, some part of me hates talking about this because I feel like we're just going to make people fear bananas. But if blood sugar issues is something that you deal with, we need to also understand that like this matters in that case. Um, and we need to understand how that might be impacting your overall blood sugar levels with what you're consuming. Yeah. And so when we look at the insulin index, I mean, this is something that we do with clients that have like type two diabetes, but we're looking at the balance of things too. So it's not that we can't have like the whey protein, but what's coming with that, um, is the biggest piece because if we're pairing, you know, our whey protein with a banana and let's say like Greek yogurt or nut butter, or, you know, other things that people are putting into smoothies, that's all adding up as each individual food has a different insulin demand. So rather than pairing it, you know, with the banana, yes, in this scenario for someone with, you know, type two diabetes, and we're concerned about their insulin, then we go towards, you know, berries, add some nut butter in there, and maybe reduce the amount of protein powder that they're putting in it to keep our overall um, insulin demand score less than 50 is what we generally say. There's different, you know, scenarios for different people based upon like how much you weigh, um, what your goals are and things like that. But you know, as Becca was mentioning before too, is like pairing things together. So we want to focus on, you know, a good source of omega threes. We've talked about, you know, omega threes before, um, on this podcast and other places, but the best sources of our omegas can come from wild caught fatty fish. 
as she just mentioned, that's going to be lower on your insulin demand as well. Um, plant foods such as like flax seeds, hemp hearts, chia seeds, soybeans, things like that. Um, and then having that protein every single meal and pairing it with your fat or pairing it with your um, carbohydrates can balance things out. Um, and then, you know, one of the biggest things here for balancing blood sugar, and this is just in general across the board, we see this all the time with digestive issues or just the standard American diet is we're not eating an adequate amount of fiber. So the general recommendations is to consume anywhere between 20 to 25 grams of fiber every day, but most people only get about 15 grams per day. Now I will say there are people who tolerate more fiber than that and do better with a little bit more fiber, but it very, it's very dependent upon the person's gut health their digestive issues. If they're struggling certain types of foods that we might need to stay away from that fiber, you know, intake is going to be individual but some individuals do better with upper of 30 to 50 grams of fiber per day. And then, you know, as we've already talked about, like making sure that you get consistent with your eating um, and eating at regular intervals. And so it's not that we have to eat every two to three hours, but that we have some sort of structure and some sort of routine because the body loves routine. We all know from, you know, being babies that you feed at the same time at nighttime, right? Like with my little guy, we were up like every three hours. And so what happens internally is your body is ready for that food. Your internal clock knows it's time to get ready to digest, break down and absorb nutrients. And so if you can't eat, you know, five, six small meals a day, that is completely fine. Getting three main meals in and maybe like one or two snacks, you know, kind of just depending upon what your schedule is like and how you're feeling physically with your energy. Um, and, you know, feeling like, am I taking, a blood sugar swing up. Am I crashing? Like you'll have to find this, you know, routine on your own for yourself, but eating three main meals and a couple of snacks can absolutely help. Um, one of the things too, if you are waking up a lot in the middle of the night, like Becca mentioned, we can incorporate, you know, a blood sugar balancing snack before bed. So like an hour before you go to bed, test it out, try it and see what we have our clients do is, you know, track their sleep, how many times they're waking up in the middle of the night, what their blood sugar levels are in the morning, um, and pulling all of that data into one place that allows us to see trends because again, it's not, you know, just the same across the board for every single person. Um, some people will do better with that and their, you know, blood sugar levels will be lower in the morning, but every day things change. And I was actually listening to a podcast a few weeks ago related to blood sugar balancing. And ironically, like a week later, one of our clients said, well, if I have like a couple tablespoons of sugary ice cream before I go to bed, my blood sugar levels are lower in the morning. And this podcast was all about like the consistency. Like I'm sure it's not the ice cream. It's more so like, are you having some sort of carbohydrate with protein paired together before you go to bed? That's yep. most likely, you know, doing it. And so, yeah. you know, things like, let's say, you know, apple with some nut butter or, you know, a rice cake with some nut butter, or, you know, even doing like a protein mug cake, that's going to have some carbs and some mm -hmm. um, protein in it as well. So that can vary, you know, you don't need to have the same snack every single night, but a handful of nuts could also, you know, yeah. help. I used to always do when I was training a lot and I knew like my blood sugar was probably going up and down because of the high intensity training. Cause that's something else that we're going to talk about next is other things aside from food that can impact your blood sugar. Um, I would do a small serving of oatmeal with a little bit of peanut butter and protein powder mixed in at night. And that was like a perfect, you know, snack for me. It was kind of warm and it kind of calmed me down at night. Um, it was a great option. So there's, there's lots of things that you can implement a little bit of trail mix. Just think about something that is not just a straight carb, not just a straight fat, but that has a little bit of each, um, into it. So a couple of other things that can impact blood sugar stress. Um, we've talked about the impact of stress so much 
I feel like we're blue in the face about it, but a lot of people just don't take it as seriously. So we're going to keep talking about it. Um, when you're stressed, cortisol becomes spiked, obviously, one of our body's main stress hormones, and that can increase blood sugar and insulin levels. Cortisol also increases secretion of leptin, a hormone that plays a role in appetite control. So leptin secretion reduces satiety and makes you feel more hungry. So stress is a huge issue here. We have another client of ours that we've been working on her blood sugar and her A1C levels, which have improved greatly with, guess what, eating more consistently, actually eating probably more food than she was in the beginning. The biggest thing for her, though, is sleep. When she does not get enough sleep because she has a stressful job, she lets it take over. When she does not get enough sleep, is when we see the biggest impact in her morning blood sugar levels. And so that is because of the stress that that lack of sleep puts on her body. Another thing that will help with blood sugar is moving your body, getting in a good sweat four to five days a week. Like all movement is beneficial for health and managing blood sugar levels. I will say that something really high intensity though, if you already have high stress levels in your day, so like an F45, an orange theory class, like those things might be a little detrimental depending on what the rest of your, you know, things look like in terms of your balance of intake, your overall weight, like the, the other aspects matter with this. So be careful with the super high intensity stuff because that can cause big swings as well in blood sugar in terms of really low blood sugar afterwards because your body's depleted. So just keep that in mind. Um, but you know, 30 to 40 minutes, four times a week can actually help significantly reduce, um, you know, blood sugar levels and insulin levels. And then the last thing, there are some supplements. Um, like Liz was talking about omega-3s from foods are obviously great, but omega-3s increase insulin sensitivity. So omega-3 fatty acids, we love fish oil, EPA, DHAs. Um, getting them from food is obviously ideal, but it can be hard for a lot of people just because most people don't eat that much fatty fish in a week. Um, and you can get them from other, you know, nuts and seeds, but maybe potentially implementing a fish oil or an EPA DHA fatty acid uh, supplement to help with that. Vitamin D, another one, get in your sunlight, people. Um, vitamin D counters its deficiency linked to insulin dysfunction. So essentially, if you are deficient in vitamin D, we often see that correlated for people that have high blood pressure, or I'm sorry, high blood sugar um, and diabetes. Magnesium, magnesium helps activate insulin receptors. The only thing to be careful with magnesium, if you are on blood pressure medication, talk to your doctor before taking it because it can sometimes uh, impact your blood pressure in terms of decreasing it. So you don't want to have like a double kind of action um, between the two medications. Uh, alpha, lipo alpha lipoic acid, um, ALAs, increase your body's use of glucose, blood sugar. So another great option from different types of fat sources, uh, thinking omega-3s, omega-7s, omega-9s are all really great sources to help with this, you know, body's use of glucose. And then cinnamon, cinnamon can decrease the rise in blood sugar after a meal. So Fun little fact, be careful with the amount of cinnamon. Like we don't need to be doing tablespoons a day that we're just like swallowing. Um, wasn't there a cinnamon challenge that was going around for a while where people tried to do like a tablespoon of cinnamon? They tried to swallow a table. I feel yeah. like I saw this on Instagram at some point. Anyways, adding some cinnamon to oatmeal, adding some cinnamon to sweet potatoes is a great way to get, get like one to two teaspoons in a day, which can help decrease the rise in blood sugar after a meal. So Fun little facts that can help um, with blood sugar levels to implement here and there. Um, but there's a lot of stuff, guys, here that a lot of people could probably implement 
even if you don't have blood sugar issues, just to better balance, you know, your mood, your energy, your body's needs throughout the day. Um, there's so much that we can do to continue to kind of improve our overall health. And if you are someone that struggles with sleeping well, if you're someone that struggles with mood swings or just like fatigue throughout the day, these are big things to consider. Most, if not all of these things can be directly related to blood sugar. Yes. Absolutely. And one other thing I just wanted to note, like about the cinnamon. So a lot of times when we have many clients that have um, PCOS, but um, there's actually a small study that looked at women with PCOS and part of that typically is insulin resistance and blood sugar regulation. And then he found that one and a half grams per day improved their menstrual cycle, which is pretty awesome. Right. Um, but it's really important if you are going to start putting cinnamon in a lot of things, you're going to use it regularly to get the Ceylon form of cinnamon. That's definitely superior, um, because it has more antioxidants compared to just what you're going to get in most grocery stores, which is the cassia cinnamon. Um, the cassia has a ingredient called cumarin in it, which could potentially cause some liver damage. If you're doing like high doses of it, I don't imagine anybody out there is going to be doing this two tablespoons thing. Um, but 1.5 grams per day can definitely be helpful. Um, if you are going to use it in a lot of things, we would recommend, um, the Ceylon form of cinnamon and we can link that out, you know, in the show notes, but if you're going to do the other one, no more than one gram per day. Um, and you know, I think it, it's one of those things where you have to keep track of this. A lot of people, fail to do their data collection, right? Um, track, especially if you're dealing with, you know, type two, I'm sure you're already tracking your blood sugar levels in the morning, but keep a food log. And in that, you know, look at the timing of your food, the balance of your food, start to track, you know, your sleep as well. How many times a night are you waking up? Um, what's your energy like throughout the day? Are you riding this roller coaster? And if you are, then you need to kind of go back and correlate those things to your blood sugar and change your foods around, um, and the balance of those foods, or you need to hire somebody, you know, to work with that can help you you know, improve your insulin levels and regulate your blood sugars, because even just, you know, from a day to day for somebody without insulin issues, it's really, really important because this is how we develop type two diabetes. We know type two diabetes is lifestyle related. It's lifestyle driven from the standard American diet, lack of movement, lack of sleep, high stress, chronic stress. This is, you know, where it ultimately leads us to. So it's much more than just, you know, stabilizing your blood sugar. It's about your health too, and your longevity and how you're going to feel with stable blood sugars and having, you know, right. The proper amounts of energy stable throughout the day. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that people underestimate is that like, just because you aren't at extreme levels now of disorder, um, doesn't mean that the body may not be heading that direction. Like not to fear, make fear mongrel or like scare anyone. But I think a lot of people underestimate like symptoms in terms of extreme fatigue, not sleeping throughout the night and all of these other things that are blood sugar related um, and what they can ultimately lead to. Um, the, unfortunately, I think the, the world of medicine makes, you know, health and nutrition seem very black and white when in reality it's very gray. Um, and so listen to your body, identify symptoms, identify all of these things um, before it gets to that place and, and implement what you can to improve as many aspects of your lifestyle. Yep. 
All right. With that, we hope you guys have a great day and we'll be back on Wednesday. Thank you all so much for being here. If you've enjoyed this podcast, the best thing that you could do for us as a gift to us would be to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram, tag us, share it on Facebook, whatever platform that you listen, or just tell a friend, invite a friend to listen to this podcast. Um, The more that you can kind of share with word of mouth, the more people that we can touch throughout the world. And leave us a five-star reading and review on iTunes as this helps us grow and reach others. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye.